listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next half an hour or so we're going to be talking about all things food and drink and as usual I'm joined by my fellow presenter Ollie Lloyd who's founder of Great British Chefs. Hello hey. Ollie. Hey, how's it going? I've noticed you've started wearing a sort of quite fashionable shirts recently. Well, you know, just trying to keep up with you Sue. Where, where's that from? Uh, Paul Smith. Of course it is. Of course it is. Well, it's sort you've of got to celebrate British brands. Blue and whites and... Yeah, yeah, yeah actually the one... It feels yeah. like it's time to smarten yourself up a bit. I'm trying. <laughs> is that because you're more famous now because of this program? Well, exactly. It's just you keep <laughs> mate, raising my profile. And, yeah. you know, we're we're yeah, on yeah. radio though, so I could just be in a sloppy t-shirt. Yes, I know, which is what I'm doing. Um, I um, I was reading this thing. It's a little bit old now. It's, it's a couple of months old. And I wondered what you thought because I actually think this is very, very British. Um uh, a new champion, I admit this is a few months ago, has been crowned at the death-defying annual cheese rolling race. Mm, is that is that Exeter Way? Um, it's Cooper's Hill. Right. I uh, can't remember where that is now. I think it's, um, yeah, I don't know quite where it is. Um, um, it, and Max McDougall, who is obviously completely mad, is 22, won the first men's downhill race after tripping and tumbling down Cooper's Hill and veteran cheese chaser Chris Anderson, 31, who holds a record 22 wins over the past 15 years. He wasn't there because he was on holiday. Why would you miss out an event like that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I wonder if was... his wife accidentally booked the holiday and didn't tell him. Um, Maybe we need to book it in for next year. This, we get actually a, 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 live, a live broadcast. Thousands of people cheer, cheer, cheer them on. And um, uh, Mr. McDougall from Brockworth said, It was better than last year when I knocked myself out. <laughs> Um, he said, I normally come second to Chris. I just went for it. He was on holiday. Pick a line and stick to it. I can't think of any other country in the world where this happens. <laughs> have you? No. Um, no. Rebel cheese rollers have been staging their own unofficial event after health and safety fears caused the official competition to be cancelled in 2010. Nice. Good. Yes, good. good. I say um, for that. The cheese... I don't know what I don't know how this started. The cheese is chased two hundred yards down the one in two gradient. How big hill. is the cheese? I think it's pretty big because yeah. obviously it's got to roll quite a bit. There was a year's hiatus when police warned against the use of a real cheese. <laughs> I don't know why. Why would they warn against it? Um, an imitation lightweight foam cheese was replaced with a genuine article. The unusual event has been celebrated for centuries and is thought to have its roots in a heathen festival to celebrate the return of spring. There we go. Yeah. I, I have to say I missed that <laughs> festival again this year, but you know. You should enter. I, I, I No, no. I'd probably dislocate both my shoulders. Yes, and dislocate everything. Yeah. The woman's race was won by 20-year-old Flo Early. Flo, good name. Good Flo. Well done, Flo. Who picked up a double Gloucester for the fourth time after victories in 2008, 2016 and 2018. She managed to sprain her ankle in the process. She said, if you go fast in the beginning, the hill would do the rest. <laughs> I mean, you, you wonder why the British bobsleigh team have not done better. Maybe they're just hunting in the wrong places. If you find the cheese rollers, these people could have some unique skills. Yeah, one competitor was stretched off the course of the selected fractured <laughs> ankle after failing, uh, falling during the second race. How well, many races? I mean, 
I don't know. I just we think need it's, to Google I just can't, cannot imagine it would happen anywhere else other than England. Um, and and it's the a Scot- festival. I think the Scots could do it as well. But it's a festival. Probably the Irish, actually. Yeah, and now the I'm Irish. Yeah. <laughs> They'd probably do it better. Yeah. Um, the French Scots, would never do it. it would no, be way too, just no, no, not... no, no, no. And Americans wouldn't because of health and safety. No. No, they'd Definitely. eat. they'd eat the whole cheese. <laughs> But that's a different kind of festival. Yes, I think so. Anyway, talking festivals. Yes. Have you ever been to? I've been to quite you a look few a, festivals. You, you know, which sort of? Because you are a sort of grungy-looking guy, well, in, you know, even though you are wearing a pool. So I have shirt. done. Um, you have done Glastonbury. Have you? I've never been. Have you not? No. I think it's amazing. When did Glastonbury start then? Oh, it's. I'm asking a question. It's coming up for a good forty years, isn't it? No, Glastonbury actually started in 1914. Really? Before no, Mr. Evers? it wasn't Evis. really. It wasn't really, I suppose. Um, it was uh, uh, between 1914 and 1926. It was a classical composer who, who had a sort of little festival there nice. in Glastonbury. I was in Claim Roots. Sort of, con- yeah, a series of concerts and stuff mm. like that. Um, but obviously now it's um, it, it's been going really, I would say, since 1971. So 50 years. Yeah, instigate, in, instigated by... Andrew Kerr and Michael. Michael Evers, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, apparently the first one attracted 1,500 people. Um, but the original headline acts were the Kinks. Do you remember yeah. them? Yeah. I don't think you were born then, were you? No. Were you born in 1971? No, I wasn't. Oh, God, really? No. Oh, no. God, that's so awful. Um, and, um, and Wayne Fontana. But these acts were replaced at short notice by T-Rex. That's better. Wow. Yeah. yeah. How much do you think the tickets were in 1971? I don't think they had them. Yeah, they did. Did they? Yeah, yeah. How much are they? A pound. Yes. Wow. Well done. They were a pound. And how much are they now for a weekend ticket? Uh, I think it's about 250 isn't it? Yeah, it's about 260 quid or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite but you can all spend a lot more than that if you go luxury, which I have not done but would love yeah. to. And now there's 200,000 people. Yeah. But that's just the that's the attendees. Yeah. You've then got the support staff. Yes, true. And all the other, and all the I mean, volunteers it's, there. It's huge, isn't it? It's enormous. Um. Mm. Um, so I mean, what I found amazing when I went to Glastonbury many years ago is you'd finish one act and it was like, great, I'm going to go to this other act. And you realise it's had a 45-minute walk through the mud, round the stages, and you're like, okay. No, missed oh, that I've act. never been there on the basis that I was worried I wouldn't be able to be clean. No, you would have a little shower. Well, or, then you or, do. Or, that's not the place d- to go, Depends how, how much cash you're paid to throw at the problem. Okay. I think, you know, there are B&Bs <laughs> in the area, should you want to do it. Right. What you about know? these, like, Glamping caravan things, or, or yeah, whatever they're called. Whole... They, they wouldn't have a shower in, would they? Of course not. Yeah, They've well, some of them would. Oh, would they? Yeah. Ooh, might have a look at that. Then. I mean, that's probably a grand a person. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's <laughs> for a, a day. For a day. I mean, these, you know, there are a lot of bankers who go now and you know mm, enjoy it. It's like the other one, the uh, the sort of obsessive one, is the one in the desert in um, California. What's it called? Um, name is getting me. Burning Man. Burning Man. That's right. Fueled by drugs, I think. Well, yeah. Possibly. No, no comment. Anyway, the festival thing brings me rather nicely um, to Katie Bone, who's the PX Festival founder. Hi, Katie. Hello. Have you been to Glastonbury? Um, never. So what other no, festivals? So what festivals you must have, have been to some to? festivals because you're a yeah. founder of a festival. Latitude. Latitude's Latitude a great festival. My, Where's that? Festival. Latitude, it's um, near Albra. And is it just like a pop thing? Um, Music thing? Yeah, but very artsy, very creative, mm. dance, theatre. Um, Royal Ballet are there, and they spray the sheep. Yeah, it's very important. Famously. Do they? Multicoloured. They change the colour of the sheep every year. So there's sheep on the site, and these sheep just wander around, and one year they're pink, and the next year they're rainbow-coloured. I wonder if they object. 
Well, they haven't, they haven't so far. But they're different sheep every year. They're probably barbecued later. I'm trying year. to introduce Jan. So, Anna, sure. we're also joined by Jan Kornetsky. Have Hi. I got your name right, Jan? Very good. Yes, you have. And uh, Jan is actually a director of wine, which we are going to talk later. But you are very much involved in the PX Festival as well, aren't you? Yes, I'm headlining and part of the operations team. There we go, he's headlining. So, um, what is it that inspires you about other festivals before we turn to... It's PX Plus, actually, we call it, don't we, not PX? Yes. Um, yeah. um, so, so what what inspires you about festivals that you've seen? It's the community music. spirit, bringing everyone together for a moment out of your day-to-day um, life and kind of like a, a holiday, a holiday from day-to-day, bringing everyone together. So I went to see... Um, Muse a few months ago. I can't remember. It was some new. Is it the new West Ham Stadium somewhere in London? I don't know near Stratford. Um, and undoubtedly, when a band's playing and people know the songs and everybody's singing along, and there is there is some type of shared something going on, isn't there? Definitely. That everybody's linked energy. to in some way. Yeah, yeah energy. Mm-hmm. Is that the thing that attracts you to festivals? Definitely. Yeah, it's that time to connect. Um, without necessarily having loads of conversation, although obviously you can have conversations or you're just in that shared community space enjoying the vibes and the music and the atmosphere, the smells, the food, everything. And the food's much better now, I believe, in all these places. Yeah, it's really it's really changed. If you look, I mean, but even, you know, when I went to Glastonbury probably 10, 12 years ago, you know, there was still, you know, there were good curry places and there were nice sausages and, like, people were trying... But what's extraordinary is when you hit like the latitudes or the wildernesses or some of those festivals, you know, you've got actually headline chefs who are, you know, it's just, it names, you know, people like Sky Gingell or Tom Carriage or, you know, Raymond Blanc alongside. That's because you, know, you just get a free ticket. That's why they do it. Well, no, but they put on full on, full on, you know, sit banquets. down dinners, banquets. I mean, and they are beautiful. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, they are. I'm beginning to warm to this now. Yeah, I mean, and you can do day tickets too. You don't have to camp. Good. You know, you can find a friend with a stately home nearby. You can stay. I'd at. worry there'd be no toilet roll and things like that. That's what you know. And you can have a shower. That's what I'm worried about. Wet wipes. Not... Wet wipes are the key. <laughs> the key is get in, get out. Just get in there. I mean, I once Enjoy stayed. It. I once stayed get in a B and B around the corner from um, Bestival in on the Isle of Wight. Uh, one of the chefs working with Robert Thompson. He had a, he had a B and B. It was very civilized. Yeah. See, my children both. Is it Leeds yeah. Festival? They both absolutely insisted they yeah. went to Leeds Festival. And, one, and they were 16. And I'm thinking, oh, it's a bit young. We're going, with my, we're going with the mates going on the train. Oh, I really didn't want them to go. Anyway, you said yes. I said yes because oh, I thought it might be like a little bit of a rite of passage. Anyway, they came home, they stank. <laughs> you <laughs> hosed them the down ten. outside. I did. <laughs> they weren't even loud in the house. So, so they sort of like just went with the 10. And they just had such a great time, though. They just mm. had such a fantastic time. I didn't obviously ask what went on, but they just really enjoyed it. And I think it was that sense of community. And almost first time being a sort of adult where you're just, you're just allowed to go and, and go with it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were pretty dirty when they got back <laughs> Um, so, uh, uh, just describe what the PX Festival is. Now, it's on from Saturday the 17th to midnight, Monday the 19th of August, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and it's at Duchess Farms, Sawbridgeworth, which is sort of north of Harlow, isn't it? Sort of yep. There. Yep. So, so um, describe the actual festival last year. So, so what did you have last so year? So, last year was our first year, um, and it was really a weekend of food, drink, hospitality, Um, a place for celebration, um, you know, for the industry, food, drink, hospitality industries to come together to celebrate, to share, to talk, to dance. It's a 
it's a real great atmosphere um, for everyone to to be and there for the weekend. What we might describe as headline acts. Obviously, uh, Jan is one of them. Hey, um, but, but yeah, well done, Jan. Um, but obviously, those acts are, are not acts as in they're going to stand up and sing. They, these are producers. They're farmers. They're growers. They're makers. They're chefs. They're bakers. They uh, understand the world of drinks. They're sommeliers. Um, was, was that deliberate on your part? You've got people who are going to stand up and, t- and share what they know about the sector. Definitely. It's taking the idea of a festival and instead of the music headliners being the main acts, it's putting the industry on the main stage and letting them share what they what they want to bring to the, to the table. So, for example, uh, you've got um, Asma Khan. Favorite of ours. She's been on the show. Um, an incredible lady, um, and she uh, runs Darjeeling Express. But she's got loads of other things going on as well. So if Asma stands up, um, she's on this year, isn't she? Yes. Um, what, what, what would you expect? Is she on there for an hour, for half an hour? For you know, how, how, how does that work? So we've introduced this year a new area called um, Let's Have a Drink with, and that's run by Clara and Sula, and they've pulled together an amazing lineup of headliners, including Asma, and they're having conversations real, honest, frank conversations about um, things that need to be discussed within the industry and uh, further afield. So they will be in discussion with her and other panellists talking about everything from... So sort of, she's sort of being interviewed, but also she's, she's, she's talking about some of the things yep. that she, she believes in. I know exactly. she feels very strongly about women being mm-hmm. in kitchens. Um, that's, that's fabulous. So, so other, what other amazing... Let's just talk about chefs at the moment. Um, so you've got uh, Russell Norman, I think, from Polpo and Claire Smith, and mm-hmm. you've got a number of others, haven't you? We've, we're up to 65 chef headliners oh, now wow. for this year, which is Massive. amazing. The support we've had from the industry is, is incredible. Our chefs are really important, um, and they're part of the lineup, of course, and we've got different areas where they contribute, whether it's a restaurant um, service in our main restaurant, whether it's the crop circle, which is... 30 covers literally in the middle of um, nowhere on the farm with barbecues and smoking um, smoke and um, also the secret chef's table which we've introduced new this year we've got Gareth Ward coming down um, Mm. from Wales Um, and also pastry kitchen so we're really excited to have Will Goldfarb coming over from Bali to headline our pastry kitchen God how good is that you said you're on holiday and you can't go well I'm in (gasps) Bali so we're in catching before (laughs) before he's uh, he flies over yeah so so that's just the chef side of it so Mm -hmm. so if you're if you're you know, thinking about being in the sector, or you indeed you are in the sector, this is a real chance to see how other people work, how yep. they operate, what they believe in, and maybe their journey, some of the have, things they've got catastrophically wrong, as well as the things that are going right, and actually interact with them genuinely. Yeah, on a human level, um, breaking down the barriers. Some of the chefs are fine dining Michelin, some of them are street food traders, and, and everyone's equal. The whole idea is that everyone's welcome at PX, and a commie chef can have a chat with um, one of our headliners and and ask them, you know, what whatever they whatever what they, they want to know. Yeah. Um, and then you've got a whole lineup of incredible makers, um, some of which have also been on this sh- uh, show, um, who were sort of just very proud of what they do. So, so for example, the makers of Stitchelton cheese and and, and others. And and again, is that exactly the same? They're they're going to bring their produce. They're going to talk about it. Yep. Do they do tastings and explain how they get to where they are? Definitely. Our courtyard is the central place for the producers and suppliers. Um, Neil's Yard, Lake, Dist- Lake District Farmers, Natura, um, really important um, supporters of the festival. They come with their produce, they share it, they interact. The chefs get to taste and try new new ingredients, new produce. It's, it's a really special um, environment. And again, 
that element of competition is removed. So we'll have multiple suppliers of the same category. We've got rare tea, we've got Jing tea, um, different coffee producers, everyone sharing what they do um, on, a, on, a, on a level. And that includes, as you say, uh, beer, uh, uh, wine makers, tea, blenders, yep. coffee producers. Everyone's invited. Everyone that's it. important to the industry that you rely on when you go out to a restaurant and eat or you're in a hotel Everyone from whoever makes the cutlery and the ceramicists, the the leather work, everything is is tried. We try to f- bring in everyone. And so, for people who want to attend, so there's obviously a ticket price to attend. Yep, the day tickets are sixty pounds, and then full weekend tickets are one hundred and twenty. Take your tent, chaps. Take your tent, or if or you want to, book bit, the glamping. But it's also close, last, it's yeah. close oh, enough to London it. to mm-hmm. to come back if you want to. It's, 40 minutes from London Liverpool Street so if you really don't want to stay over you don't have to Um, The other thing that you've also got on which I thought was really interesting is you've got all these producers you've got all the people who are uh, consumer facing often or or dealing uh, with food service but you've got a whole interesting range of speakers thinkers and educators what's that about? So we try to um, bring in people from outside our industry so we can learn from them share um, give and take. So we've got this whole um, lineup, the Let's Talk About It stage, where we invite people who are at the top of their industries to come and share with us. Um, whether it's lawyers, doctors, um, a whole host of people who who are really interesting and, and want to share their knowledge with with our audience. And how do you stop that being a salesy thing? Because that must be your worst nightmare. Yeah. Because for me, that just puts everybody off. <laughs> Definitely. You know, you get some lawyer standing up who's actually just pitching for business. That's mm-hmm. not what you want. You you really want people who are going to share what they've learnt, I suppose. Exactly. And it's really curated. So um, all of our headliners are introduced um, or, or they approach us and, and we really talk to them first so we we get approached by a lot of people who say i want to be involved but they really have to buy into it they, they have to be part of the experience it's not a trade show they're not just coming up sticking their it's banner and yeah, selling yeah it's it's not the ethos behind it so um so Jan, obviously you, you've been involved with it as well um what was it like last year how, how many people did you get was it what you expected um, because it was the first festival, um, we didn't quite know what to quite expect. It's quite scary. We didn't thing know to what to expect. I mean, expect, it's quite so. a risk. Really. Um, uh, it was uh, it was a big uh, risk, but I think we pulled it off. We had uh, one thousand five hundred uh, people attending, um, from headliners to visitors. Uh, it was a stunning uh, three four days, uh, four days we did last year over the bank holiday weekend, and it was just an um, amazing feeling of community, really not only um, by that hospitality. I mean, usually we organize the free time of others. And uh, we are um, come from all cultural backgrounds in different countries and then exchanging the trades, meeting uh, uh, the ladies and gentlemen in the bakery, as well as the bartenders, as well as the chefs, the knife makers, and get them all together, learning um, and talking during the day. And um, also addressing what doesn't work well. Why do not? Why is it? Why is hospitality not seen as a um, a great career path? And uh, all these things we've been discussing. And in the evening, we ate, drank, tasted, and celebrated until the morning hours. It was an amazing time. I slept very little, um, <laughs> uh, and we had hot showers. It was wow. amazing. Wow. And and so so what you're saying is there's a there's a whole curated number of events which I think people are learning a huge amount from. I'm sure they're good fun as well and all that sort of stuff, but it is in many respects is educational and and possibly therapeutic some to, to to some degree. But actually the evening is just 
celebrating and tasting this stuff and having a good time. Yeah, we have we have we have big dinners on, but you have also open fire cooking in uh, uh, in the courtyard. So um, yes, and we are celebrating absolutely right. So do people bring their own? Do, do people sort of bring their own little barbies along, or, or, or is, it, is there so no, much there amazing no, stuff there? No, there's no BYO. <laughs> no, because there's so, <laughs> they don't need there's so much they amazing don't need stuff to. there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I'd love to go to this, Ollie. Sounds great. Mm, Sounds great. Absolutely good. And and if you think about it, um, we've always said this on the on this program. People in this sector really are quite keen to share. Then it's not that competitive. I mean, people are in competition with each other, but they seem quite genuinely happy to try and give somebody a leg up and try and help people in the sector. But the fact is, it is such an interconnected space, whether it's, you know, the restaurants rely upon the producers, the producers rely upon, you know, word of mouth to get people to support them and mm. buy from them. And, you know, you've got, I mean, there's, it's such an interconnected world that it's, it, 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 you know, obviously there are egomaniacs in every industry and there are people who don't collaborate within every industry. But I think what is really lovely in this is that you there are so many ways of collaborating cross-sector, you know, cross-discipline that actually it's really exciting. Why is it called PX? It means um, person extraordinaire in French. Uh-huh. Um, ah. And it's Plus. Um, a bit of a tongue-in-cheek when we were doing the Wasted Project with Dan Barber at Selfridges when, in my previous um, career. Um, the chefs would write PX Plus on top of the checks to denote a VIP in the room. And we got to one point where everyone was PX Plus or Plus Plus or Triple Plus. And <laughs> we all just turned around and said, everyone's VIP, everyone's important. Of course. So it's an industry term that we borrowed. So everybody who comes probably knows what that means, and outsiders don't. Yeah. It just shows I'm an outsider then. Um, but more than welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, now, one of the things I was really intrigued by, and, and you, you really should go on the website because it's, it's got a lovely feeling to the website, like freedom and, I don't know, it's, it, it really conjures up a summer's balmy day, doesn't it? Evening, I think, yeah. when you look at the photos uh, from last year. Um, the, the thing that intrigued me, though, on the website was something called PX Plus Listens. Yeah. Can you just describe what that is? So, from last year and, and since then, we've had a number of people that have been asking for advice. Um, from mental health to financial to career advice. And we, along with a lot of other people at the moment who are doing great things in the industry, Victoria Stewart and, and others, um, we thought that we need to provide a service to them. So, during the festival... There's a number that they can text if they want to have a chat. It's informal. We've got professionals there. You know, it's not us saying we know how to solve your problems. It's not that. We're saying we will connect you to the right people that yeah. you need. Sign so it's an advice. You, it's stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, Ollie, uh, you, you have over the years worked with quite a number of chefs. It's a, it's a really brutal industry, isn't it? It's a brutal industry. I mean, you, you see stuff on the television and everybody watches Saturday Kitchen or whatever and somehow you've got this sort of cream sort of top layer of people who would appear to be having the most amazing time and be incredibly rich. But underneath that, it's really tough. Long hours, not particularly well paid, and, and it is brutal. I think there are very, very few people who have an easy life in the hospitality world. Um, and I certainly think that, you know, I mean, look, you know, whether you're, you know, I'm, I'm closest to the world of kitchens and the experiences that they go through. Um, and you, I think when you look at what chefs experience in those kitchens, you know, whether it's staffing issues, whether it's, you know, the challenge of, you know, being a, a service industry, how connected you are to all your suppliers and how things can go wrong. I mean, the stress levels are enormous. Let alone and, the physical uh, 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 atmosphere, uh, yeah. which is not always no, great and, either. And, and let's be clear, you know, it Lack is an industry space. which has had, you know, you know, a complicated relationship with, with you know, 
alcohol and, and, and substance abuse and stuff in order to actually cope with those stresses in the same way that any high-pressure thing, where you're looking at lawyers or, or, or bankers. You know, mm. these are in- industries with very high stress levels have those relationships. But, but I ha- think they are tackling it. I think there's some, you know, there's some really interesting chefs who I think are, you know, really championing things like, you know, tea after after service mm. rather than um, mm. you know, Luke Holder down at Limewood is a big fan of, you know, tea rather than beer after service. You know, so I think some of those things are, are kind of actually you know, changing the face of it a bit. But there's also real recruitment issues. So people yeah. are struggling to recruit. And and if you're getting a massive turnover of staff, that's blimmin' expensive. Yep. You've got to keep training people all the time. That's taking up a huge amount of time. It doesn't take Einstein to work out, actually. Probably need to look after our staff better, make sure there are th- support mechanisms in place to make sure they, that, you know, they are okay. And, and I think maybe that's at last getting through to the sector. Yeah, I th- and, and, and look... And Brexit's think, not going to help at all. No, Brexit's not <clears> going to help. But I think, you know, the truth is, I think everything, you know, again, it's not the sector I'm close to, but, you know, the farm, the farming industry have the same challenges um, yes, indeed. that the the cooking industry have. I think, But I think what's interesting is a lot of stuff has changed. You know, you talk about people like Dan Barber and others, and what's interesting is they can get access now to their community. They can reach out to them. They can start to get much more support from people in ways that wasn't possible before. So... You know, I'm I'm hopeful for the direction of travel, but I think it's always going to be, you know, it's it. You don't, if you want an easy life, you no. don't choose. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, yeah. It's also a reputation thing. Jan and I have spoken a few times about how you get to thirties and people are retiring from hospitality, front of house, sommeliers, um, due to the pressure. We need to improve the reputation of the industry. Um, to continue to attract people into it. It's a fantastic industry to work with. It's most the most creative. Um, um, honest and, and great people that you will meet there who are in service of others. Um, it's, a, it's a great place to be. The team spirit is amazing. It has to be because you, you can't do it otherwise, can you? It has to be mm. a team oriented. It is. A, it is um, yeah, the, the team spirit is great, but also it is a, it is a real, it's a career. It's a career that you can pursue. You can go um, not only working, I would call it on the front line, like uh, doing the service um, in a bar, in a restaurant, or in a hotel, um, uh, working in a kitchen. But there are so many, um, so many jobs which are supplying goods. There are sales jobs. There are um, um, there is uh, press and coverage. There is a massive amount uh, of careers mm. within hospitalities, which um, so many people haven't discovered. Yeah. Indeed. And the industry, I think, has changed so much. I mean, you know, the UK, if we go back to the hospitality industry of, you know, the 19, you know, when you were going to your first concert, um, you know, that was, a, that was a different hospitality experience. And when I went to my first concert, but, you know, when I'd look at what, what my kids were... in the 2000, were, yeah. Yeah, right. well, but when my kids, you know, when, when I saw The Cure for the first time, at, I don't know, Wembley or something, you know, I mean, these were, those, were, those were different days. And actually, what I think is actually also interesting is where will you know, festivals be in a few years' time. I mean, Glastonbury this year was the first time plastic, you know, tried to be plastic-free. Uh, that's a big old challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, all of that waste um, issue is a challenge. And and what I really admire about um, Katie and her team is, is you know, you've taken this on and you've gone for it straight away. You haven't started off with the Glastonbury Festival where it was where it was <laughs> tiny. You've gone, you went for it straight away. Yeah. Now, that's, that is incredibly brave, Katie, because if it had gone completely wrong uh that's your bit of your reputation down the pan but actually 
you must have worked. You guys must have worked so hard, and it very hard. And, and it the must team have been is a team of us. But it, it must have been needed in the sector. It must have felt like people wanted it to happen. Otherwise, you wouldn't have got so much backing so quickly. I can, I can only say that everyone we speak to about it is really positive. They either say, "I'd love to be there, but I'm on holiday," or right, "What Ollie. can I do? How can I get involved?" And that's really important. That shows us that there's a need. It's not one particular person or group of people it's a community and that's what's so special about it and that's why it is a festival it's a coming together it's a celebration and also a chance to share um and and have those conversations that need to be had in order to drive our industry forward those questions you've always wanted to ask yeah really exactly yeah and there's no such thing as a stupid question is there when it comes to that um just moving on a little bit um jan you are involved in in the festival um now you're you are one of the headliners you're actually the director of wine at the four seasons 10 trinity square and for anybody who doesn't know that it's um it's sort of right outside the uh tube station tower absolutely station you can see i think you can see the tower of london from there it's in a little Mm -hmm. sort of yes tiny roundy round square that doesn't make sense um and um it's 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 almost on the river a lot of people don't know that uh 10 trinity squares there but it's it's a beautiful yeah it's it's a a beautiful um, it's an old um government building which has Mm. been turned into a hotel it was the old port authority of london and built in 1920s and then um, just a couple of years ago turned into a Four Seasons Hotel. And um, it is a very big operation as a hotel and also from the food and beverage side. We Mm. have a contemporary Michelin star restaurant run by Anne-Sophie Pique. She's the the most decorated female Michelin chef in the world. Um, We have a Japanese and Chinese restaurant, completely different. Which I've been to, which is very nice indeed. Thank you very much. And then we have... I I think, sorry, just to interrupt, but I think with the building, because it's an old government, this is... Very, very spacious. Yes, and, and, high and ceilings. somehow, I don't know, that really helps, doesn't it? So, sorry, your, your other restaurant? And then there is a private members club oh. uh, on the second floor, which were formerly the executive offices for the board of the Port Authority. So, I think very dark walnut panellings, uh, which are all, all listed, and uh, uh, and leather seats, and uh, there's a cigar shop and a wine tasting room. So, as a director of wine, you have a lot of fun looking after uh, so many different venues. We might have to book in there, Ollie. Absolutely. We? Sounds great. I mean, I'm I'm always interested in the cigar shop thing. I mean, <laughs> is that still a thing? And um, where are people smoking them? Well, there is um, Stick, usually you're not sticking allowed. Sticking their head out the window. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, as I said, there's a smoking ban. There's a smoking ban since 2007, so yeah. you can buy your cigars. And if you have a cigar shop, you're allowed to have a um, um, a sampling lounge that goes back long, long time. Sampling lounge. Now I never knew that. Wow. That there was. is a sampling lounge. So, and in the sampling lounge, you're allowed to sample the cigars you purchase in the club. That goes histor- historically back to the times when you ban- bought, didn't bought a well, single. They used to steak. call it a fumador or something, didn't they, or something? I can't remember what they used to be called. That yeah. must be quite an olfactive room. Uh, yeah, it's um, um, and it's a great thing to have because they're only um, they're, they're less than a handful of those in London. So and we have one of them in a private club attached to the cigar shop. Wow, hmm. interesting. So yeah. there's no smoking sign, but you're allowed to sample. You're allowed to sample. Mm, that's a good way around. Uh, are, are there going to be cigars at the festival? Yes, we have um, <laughs> right. cigars Obviously. and champagne <laughs> tastings and workshops pairing them together. Very good. Yeah, wow. There we go. So um, I always feel that after you have smoked a cigar, you basically can't taste anything for about a year. Things <laughs> <laughs> depends on how much you smoke. Well, I know. My, my father used to smoke <laughs> and cigars. And what types of cigars? So, yeah. I mean, yes. Some no, of them are I mean, huge and some of them are tiny. Yeah. Aren't they? Hmm. I, I did see 
three men sitting outside a pub the other day having a pint. What I would describe as an early time of day, smoking <laughs> cigars. And I thought, wow, I don't know who you are and what you're doing, but you're, <laughs> Good luck you're, you. you're operating on a different stratosphere than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just felt jealous, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so, so uh, in terms of director of wine, what does that mean? So, so obviously uh, we have sommeliers and people who are serving wine. What is director of wine? Do, are you in charge of going around and just buying the stuff? Um, it's a very good question. I always uh, introduce the role as like being a director of unicorns because nobody has uh, <laughs> nobody has an idea of what yeah. I'm actually doing, yeah. and I, and I use that to my advantage, but also to educate everybody. So, uh, starting. My I initially started as a sommelier, looking, um, being only in the restaurant and having a space of the restaurant. But then you have a next level, which is the head sommelier, which is looking after one restaurant, the wine buying and the team. And in the role of a director of wine, I'm overlooking three sommelier teams, three different wine lists, the food and wine matches, uh, the wine purchasing, the selection. Also, um, the uh, from the financial aspects, the stock counting and uh, how much stock we hold. A lot of the communications, if we do um, direct importing from uh, from some countries, the communication with our importers. We have twenty five importers, so they are so our extended sommelier team. Yeah. Being responsible for the whole of the wine operation yeah. in, in, inside the hotel. So what? So what wine? So there's often talk about new wine regions and things. Um, what are you excited by in the wine world at the moment? What am I excited about in the wine world? Um, just the amount of wines available. I think we've been never so lucky because you have wines in all corners of the world yeah. where wine is produced. Um, obviously, there is and there are new things happening every year in uh, France, to, uh, in as far away as Uruguay, as far away as China. So a countless amount of wines. Mm. What makes me excited? I. Um, been recently in the Roussillon, uh, so um, in, Catal- in, the, in French Catalonia, and visited uh, two to brothers um, who had a vineyard in a forest, which wow. there, which was 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 which was. So uh, it was natural. Cal- yeah, it was vineyard. captured. It was cut. The, it was um, the forest. It grew back over the vineyard, and they, uh, because it was very old, they uh, they captured it back from the forest. And I just thought, like, what a crazy idea! Uh, now that's terroir, like, if yeah. ever there was, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, incredible. Amazing. Um, and uh, what I get, I get a bit frustrated when I go somewhere and the wine list is huge. I, I just find it completely and utterly. It just it just turns me off, really. How do you cater for all sorts of taste that, that you know people want? And also, I'd imagine some of it a bit of an investment of some of the stuff you buy, um, uh, um, but actually make sure that people do understand what they've got in front of them. Because I, I do think I know a reasonable amount about wine, but sometimes I get these. It's literally a book, and I, I can't even bother to open it, frankly. Yeah, I I, <clears throat> I feel you there, and I think that there is um, a lot of people have the same feeling, you know, when we arrive at the table and we have that massive wine list and we put that in front of people and they just look at you just like, okay, I'm not here for reading, I'm here for dinner and to have sure. a good time. And this is, um, um, and by the way, I have one of these wine books in the French <laughs> restaurant and uh, it has won a couple of awards, so it has some reasons and people um, like um, it, but... I, I just, I, I, but I think those are two different eating occasions. I think if yeah. you go to a French restaurant at a certain level and you're given one of those books that you almost need a different table in order to hold it, there is something amazing about flicking through and going, oh, okay, actually, I'm going to have that or that. And actually, I think, I, look, I walk into a gastro pub with fabulous foods. You know, I went to the Canton Arms the other day in, in, in Stockwell. And, you know, they had five wines. And that's all I need in that occasion because I'm looking for, like, you know, colour, 
price. Courses for courses. You know, uh, but I, th- yeah. I think in a French restaurant, I think I think it's allowed. I think I think there's I I disagree. I think wherever you go, the key is that there needs to be somebody. Um, a wine list needs to cater for you, and you where, your taste. Where, it, yes, and it mm-hmm. needs to be something. Every wine list that I that I made or that I create, I think it needs to cater for the food which is offered and needs to cater to the clients to come in. And um, it doesn't. Um, it needs. You need to find things that you recognize. You want to mm. ha- see a couple of things that if that, that they comfort you. Oh, I want to have that producer from I don't know Rioja in Spain because I have that at home and I don't want to go for something quirky and new. Sure. And it, is it is it reasonable to say as as, as, a, as a sort of punter say right that this is my taste. I like this sort of thing here and I want to spend between this and this for a bottle. I'm going to eat this. Please, can you advise me, Mr. Sommelier? Absolutely, that's the perfect thing to say. The Brits okay. don't like to talk money, though. But okay. uh... <laughs> but but it's a bit, but but it really helps the sommelier, doesn't it? Yes. And, and of course, the sommelier could be female as well, uh, obviously. But um, but, it, but 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 that really gives help helps them have a, f- a framework to work yeah. within with you. Is I think a very good sommelier should be asking those sort of questions. Or even if you're uh, we, a lot of our job is reading the air around you. If there's a table of of two and you might be find out as an anniversary table and uh, you know they're here for the experience they want to have the chat they want to have maybe the matching wines with the menu perhaps they're not speaking to each other because they've been they've just been together too long <laughs> yeah, yeah that's why we have the name of quick quick gin and tonic to get things going <laughs> yeah, yeah you're describing you're describing valentine's day in a yes exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly so, right. which, which they always talk about that there are bets on who will who will break up over the course of the yeah. evening um, no, no, no. We are far too busy for, uh, for for such sort of entertainment. Uh, but uh, yeah, it has happened that uh, there is a the, the, the main course is arriving. There's only one person sitting at the table. But obviously, you never you never love enjoy it. these kind of moments. For oh, I would, uh, I'd love all that. <laughs> all right, I'll so gossip. You're just mean, just mean. <laughs> oh, really? I gossip. So, um, so headlining um, at our wonderful PX Plus Festival, uh, what will you be talking about while you're there, Jan? Um, or actually, a couple of. I suppose of more people asking you questions, really. Um, well, we talk about uh, one talk is about the future of sommellerie. We came a long way from having uh, um, uh, big moustaches and uh, being a bit of an imita- uh, imitating intimidation uh, to guests, and to being now very being haughty. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, and now being. Um, an excited group of, of people who just want to get it right for the guests that we are looking after. And we are not only in fine dining French restaurants anymore, we are also no. at uh, your Japanese and Chinese, but we are also in cool wine bars. We are in mm-hmm. pubs at the corner. We are having um, um, car boot sales uh, uh, of, uh, with, with wine. The sommelier trade has spread out and um, we are looking at what is the future of it and where do we come from. So we have entrepreneurs in the wine world there and um, some of the old ladies and gentlemen who's been here for a long time. I, so I still find exciting. the language thing, for me, one of the most complicated parts of it, which is I used to do a lot of work in the perfume world. And, you know, you do realize that very few people have the linguistic ability to communicate what they like and don't like. And I think that remains true with wine. And I think I think you know one of the exciting parts of what I've certainly seen from smellies over the last twenty years is actually a change in language and an ability to try and engage people and find that level. Because you know you will walk in, there'll be someone who has a massive cellar and can have that conversation. Very few, talk, very but few. they're very few. But then there are also people who really want to learn and understand. And I think I think it's one of the really interesting parts of it. Hmm. I think it's I think it's a great thing for the, for the UK in general because 
as you said earlier, in the 90s, there wasn't a lot of dining and whining and it has all exploded in the last 10 years. Mm. And that's why it's great to be in London and in the UK because you have so much people who have an interest and are keen mm. and they like to learn and they don't have the uh, pre-assumptions and the pre-knowledge that they want to tell you. That's what makes it great to be here. So that's jolly good. So if you want to um, get in touch with uh, Jan, you need to go to our wonderful PX Plus Festival. It's on from Saturday the 17th to midnight Monday the 19th of August. If you're at all in the hospitality industry, if you like eating, drinking, talking, dancing, sharing, partying, learning and celebrating, am I doing this right? Completely, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Then you need to be there. And basically, uh, we'll obviously put a link from the Food Talk website. But if you uh, search for uh, PX Plus Festival, you're going to find it, I would guess. Definitely, yeah. Nothing else is called PX Plus Festival that I'm aware of. Not yet. Um, And uh, I'd really recommend it. It, You know, if you are in the sector, you are free, you're going to learn so much, as well as meeting a whole bunch of people you probably haven't met before. Yes, exactly. Couldn't have summed it up better. Okay. Weekend of celebration, sharing, and um, and great food and drink. And great, and the and the list of people who are there. I mean, is there any uh, just a, a few you want to call out that you're very proud of? I mean, I know everybody there is going to be uh, make their own contribution. Yeah, we've but... got um, two tribes beer, rare tea, jing tea. Um, our producers and suppliers, Natura. Um, to our chefs, the team at Tom Carriage are coming um, and doing the Sunday roast in our main restaurant. We've got um, Peter Gunn coming from Ides in Melbourne. Um, it's very a, international, it's, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. crazy. The support this year has been great, and our lineup's looking really fantastic. So we're really excited for it. And if anybody has got any influence at all, please can you pray for great weather? <laughs> <laughs> that will make a difference, I think. Yeah, and bring your wellies. And bring your wellies, just in case. <laughs> this is Britain. Uh, it is Britain. So, um, Katie Bone, um, really congratulations to you. Um, it's, it's an amazing um, achievement, so I'm sure the second one's going to be way better than the first one, as if that wasn't incredible enough. So, uh, Katie Bone, uh, founder of PX Festival Plus, thank you for joining us. Um, and Jan Kornetsky. Got it right. Um, Again, you can see Jan at the PX Plus Festival. But if you're anywhere near the Tower Bridge area, uh, you should be popping into the Four Seasons 10 Trinity Square. You can just pop in for... Actually, I've had some very nice tea there. Got a very nice tea menu there. Just sit down and have a nice cup of tea. Um, You've been listening to the Food Talk Show and we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. That was all very interesting, wasn't it, Ollie? It was lovely, lovely. Yes. I'm very sorry I'm going to be away. Yeah, so you have to book for the next year. Next year. Mm. Year three. Um, year three. So thank you to my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd. And if you want to recommend any future guests, somebody doing something groundbreaking, just like uh, Katie and her team, uh, please do get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. And if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, go to foodtalk.com co.uk you can use the search function actually and search for some of the amazing people we've had on there um and just uh, thanks once again to ollie thank you ollie thank you and i hope you have all have a very good week bye-bye